Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 5th of September. It was on this day three years ago that journalist and activist Gauri Lankesh was gunned down outside her house in Bengaluru. By now, we all know that she was assassinated for upholding her views and the values that she believed in. A day after her death, Dipanjanapal had written a piece about how the media had covered her murder. Here is an excerpt from the piece. Within an hour, photographs of Lankesh's body were circulating on social media and news channels. Most of the mainstream media did Lankesh the courtesy of blurring her torso, which left only her awkwardly splayed legs and chapel-clad feet in definition. Few on social media and TV news bothered with that fig leaf. Especially if you're among those who consume most of their news online, chances are that the image of Lankesh that will be seared in your memory isn't that of her arguing against Hindutva and communalism or championing dissent, but of her lying on the ground, a slight figure lit only partly by the camera's flash, while the rest of her is consumed by darkness. Her arm still held against the part of her torso that took the fatal hit that she hadn't anticipated. When the Indian news media chose to show photographs of Lankesh's dead body, what we got was an image that spoke of fragility and defeat. It was Lankesh at her most vulnerable. If you knew Lankesh or had seen her arguing her point of view, her dead body was in shocking contrast to the wiry grit that she embodied in life. Do read the complete piece titled Why We Didn't Need to See Images of Gauri Lankesh's Dead Body. You'll find it on newslaundry.com. India continued to eclipse global records as more than 87,000 new cases of COVID-19 were detected. This brings the nation's total to over 40 lakh or 4 million cases. The documented death toll is now at 69,600 with over 1,000 new fatalities. The death toll is expected to surpass 70,000 later today. These worrying figures come even as the country is further opening up normal activities in an attempt to boost the economy and the primetime media seems to have moved on completely. Metro trains in major cities, barring those in Mumbai, are also set to start running from next week. Two popular highway restaurants in Sonipat district of Haryana, approximately 50 kilometers from Delhi, have been sealed after 75 employees tested positive for COVID-19. The incident has caused widespread fear of a super-spreader event having occurred as more than 10,000 people are reported to have eaten at the two restaurants in the past one week alone. According to the Tribune, the workers had come from Bihar to Haryana in a bus less than a week ago and the owner had made them take COVID-19 tests. Health workers have collected samples of nearly 300 workers and the process of contact tracing and testing has begun. In the last few days, Delhi has been experiencing an unprecedented resurgence in new cases of the coronavirus. This comes after weeks of the government indicating that the worst was over. For most of July and August, the numbers in Delhi did give the impression that the city has passed a peak of cases. New cases came down to below 1,000 per day and fewer deaths were being reported with each passing day and recoveries were outnumbering the new cases on most days. But now, cases have begun to rise again, following a steady upward trend. Just yesterday, over 2,900 cases were detected, in stark contrast to just a few weeks prior. In a press conference today, Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal attributed the spike in cases to an increase in testing and pointed out that the death rate has not increased. With the Metro Rail network restarting operations from next week, there is a possibility of cases rising even further. 
The Delhi government has said that it was ramping up testing facilities to ensure that at least 40,000 samples could be tested every day. The Indian Council of Medical Research or the ICMR yesterday recommended testing on demand for all international and certain interstate travellers. It added that individual states can simplify procedures to facilitate the testing process. The ICMR also recommended that all people living in containment zones, especially those in cities where there has been a widespread transmission of the virus, should be tested using rapid antigen tests. Additional testing guidelines were also released by the medical body yesterday, stipulating when the RT-PCR tests must be used and when rapid antigen tests are acceptable. This is intended to rectify recently raised issues stemming from the fact that between 25 and 30% of India's testing numbers come from rapid antigen tests, which are seen as unreliable in the global scientific community. More than 300 people have volunteered for the Oxford-AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine trials in Mumbai at two sites, that is King Edward Memorial Hospital and BYL Nair Hospital. Both the hospitals are awaiting Pune's Bharti Vidyapeet Medical College and Hospital to record vaccine efficacy rates in its first 100 participants before beginning the trials in Mumbai. A meeting to remedy the situation along the India-China border was held in Moscow in Russia last night between the Defence Minister Rajnath Singh and his Chinese counterpart Wei Fengshui. The meeting between the two diplomats occurred on the sidelines of the Shanghai Cooperation Organisation meet in the city. It is not known whether these talks arrived at any conclusion or resolution, but unnamed sources told the Press Trust of India that the meeting lasted for more than two hours and that the Indian delegation called for the restoration of the status quo ante at all points of conflicts with China in Ladakh. The Defence Minister also made a speech to all the members of the Shanghai Cooperation Organisation, which include Russia and Pakistan. In his speech, he said that the experience of the Second World War showed the world that the follies of aggression of one state on the other brings destruction to all. Hours before the meeting, Foreign Secretary Harshvardhan Shringla said that India and China had not been locked in such an unprecedented situation since the War of 1962. He said, and I quote, We have never had the sort of situation since 1962. We have lost, for the first time, lives of soldiers, which has not happened in the last 40 years. Unquote. On September 1st, one day after the Indian Army and its soldiers thwarted provocative movements by China's military in the South Bank area of the Pangongso Lake, the Ministry of External Affairs issued a statement alleging that once again, similarly provocative military manoeuvres had been observed. The Chief of the Army, General Manoj Mukund Navrani, said, and I quote, The situation along the line of actual control is slightly tensed. Keeping in view of the situation, we have taken precautionary deployment for our own safety and security so that our security and integrity remain safeguarded." Unquote. The following two segments of Daily Dose contain descriptions of sexual violence. Listener discretion is advised. In Uttar Pradesh's Lakhimpur Kheri district, another horrific incident was reported yesterday. Local police said that the post-mortem of the three-year-old girl who was found dead in a field on Thursday confirmed that she was raped before she was murdered. The search began for the girl after she went missing on Wednesday. On Thursday, her mutilated body was found in a sugarcane field near her village. Police initially suspected the murder to be linked to an enmity between two families in the village. The girl's father accused one Lekram, a resident of the same village, of kidnapping and killing his daughter. The accused has been nabbed by the police who said, and I quote, if needed, National Security Act or the NSA will also be invoked against the accused, unquote. This is the third time such an incident has been reported from Lakhimpur Kheri within a span of 20 days. 
On August 24th, a 17-year-old girl was found raped and murdered. Ten days before that, a 13-year-old girl from the Dalit community was found strangled with her tongue allegedly cut off, again in a sugarcane field. The police arrested four men in connection with the case under charges of gang rape and murder. Opposition leaders have raised serious questions about the law and order situation in Uttar Pradesh after a spate of crime, mostly against women, were reported. State Congress Chief Ajay Kumar Lalu tweeted, and I quote, Even after so many incidents, our tough chief minister has not fixed responsibility. A dying system and a helpless chief minister. Unquote. A court in Delhi yesterday placed a stay order on the publication of a book about religious leader and convicted child rapist Asaram Bapu. The book in question is titled Gunning for the Godman, the true story behind Asaram Bapu's conviction. It contains a first-hand account of Asaram's arrest and conviction by police officer Ajay Lamba. It is scheduled to be published by HarperCollins today. The order preventing the book from being published came after an accomplice of Asaram, Sanchita Gupta, filed a legal action alleging that certain contents of the book were defamatory and would influence an appeal that she has filed against her conviction, which is pending in the Rajasthan High Court. The presiding judge, Aril Meena, said in her order, and I quote, I'm of the considered view that the plaintiff's reputation is at stake and her reputation would suffer irreparable harm if the ex parte injunction is not granted, particularly when the said book is going to be published. Therefore, the defendants are restrained from publishing the said book till the next date of hearing, unquote. The hearing is scheduled for the 30th of September. In 2013, two women from Surat in Gujarat had filed separate complaints against Asaram and his son Narayan Sai, accusing them of rape and illegal confinement. In April 2019, a local court in Surat sentenced Narayan Sai to a life in prison for repeatedly raping one of the women between 2002 and 5 when she was living in his ashram. In April 2018, Asaram himself was convicted in a separate rape case in Jodhpur, Rajasthan for raping a 16-year-old girl in 2013. He is currently also serving a life sentence. Don't miss the latest episode of News Laundry Interviews where News Laundry Hindi editor Atul Charasya spoke to the author of the book Ajay Lamba, who currently serves as the additional commissioner of police in Jaipur. Mr. Lamba spoke about the investigation against the self-proclaimed Godman and how a particular mind game during his interrogation got Asaram to confess all his crimes. You'll find the interview on newslaundry.com. The investigation into the untimely death of actor Sushant Singh Rajput has devolved into media insanity in the past few weeks. However, in a new development last night, the Narcotics Control Bureau arrested the brother of Sushant Singh Rajput's girlfriend, Rhea Chakrabarti, in connection with a drug abuse investigation. Rajput's former house manager, Samuel Miranda, has also been arrested by the agency. Rhea Chakrabarti's brother, Shovik Chakrabarti, is accused of procuring marijuana for recreational use from a drug supplier multiple times between September 2019 and April 2020. He will remain in custody till September 9th. According to the Narcotics, Drugs and Psychotropic Substances Act, small quantities of drugs such as marijuana are generally not pursued and a person can get immunity from prosecution by voluntarily submitting to rehabilitation treatment. The Narcotics Control Bureau normally only registers cases involving marijuana when upwards of 20 kilograms are involved. However, in a statement, the Bureau justified the arrests by saying that it was investigating the drug angle in the Sushant Singh Rajput case and wants to uproot the drug citadel in Mumbai and especially Bollywood. After watching the media frenzy around Rhea Chakrabarti, our reporter in Maharashtra, Pratik Goyal, decided to spend a day observing reporters outside the actor's home in Mumbai. 
Here is an excerpt from his shocking account of the things he witnessed. I was soon watching reporters from Republic TV and its Hindi sister channel Republic Bharat obliterate all ethical norms of journalism with the crew from other channels mimicking them. Such a shame, I thought. Rhea Chakrabarti speaks only to a few select channels, I heard one Republic Bharat reporter speak into the camera. Is she afraid of Republic Bharat? Just then, she directed her camera person to pan towards a man leaving Primrose building and started yelling. This is an informer of Rhea Chakrabarti. The man ignored her and went on his way. He was Ram, a watchman at the building. Through the day, Ram would repeatedly face disrespect and humiliation from Republic TV crews with the video of some of these incidents going viral. Seeing the Republic Bharat reporter Badger Ram, journalists from other channels joined in. It seemed that they all thought Ram was their property, not a free man deserving of respect. Do read Pratik's complete account on newslaundry.com. It is titled Media Circus, a day with reporters outside Rhea Chakrabarti's house. Dear listeners, to keep on bringing you reports like this, please consider subscribing to News Laundry. As you all know, News Laundry is a completely ad-free news platform that solely depends on its readers and listeners for support. So subscribe to News Laundry and pay to keep news free. And now for some international updates. As of today, more than 26.6 million people worldwide have been affected by the coronavirus. While more than 17.7 million of these cases have recovered, at least 875,000 people have lost their lives to the disease. The World Health Organization, or WHO, on Friday said that it does not expect widespread vaccinations against COVID-19 until the middle of next year at minimum. WHO spokesperson Margaret Harris said that none of the vaccines in the advanced stage of trials have shown clear signs of efficacy, which is at least 50%. She said, and I quote, This phase 3 must take longer because we need to see how truly protective the vaccine is and we also need to say how safe it is. Unquote. Phase 3 of the vaccine trials involves much larger sample sizes and will be the final indicator of which vaccines are suitable for mass dissemination. Iran, one of the worst-hit countries in the early months of the pandemic, on Saturday reopened its schools for the new academic year after nearly seven months of closure. In a video conference, President Hassan Rouhani said that education of 15 million students was as important as the health system. Many medical professionals have expressed concern over the decision. The permanent mission of India to the United Nations has announced that it will deploy two new medical teams to the Democratic Republic of Congo and South Sudan. The announcement comes after a request by the Secretary-General Antonio Guterres to scale up the health infrastructure in areas managed by the Indian peacekeepers to help contain the novel coronavirus outbreak. India is amongst the largest troop contributors to the UN peacekeeping program. A Nigerian doctors' union has announced that they will go on strike next week to demand a pay rise, better welfare, life insurance and adequate facilities. The union, called the National Association of Resident Doctors, represents more than 40% of all doctors in Nigeria. This is the latest in a string of protests by medics to hit Africa's most populated country in its fight against the COVID-19 virus. The United Nations General Assembly President Tajani Mohamed Bande has warned that the coronavirus vaccine should be given to anyone who needs it because even if one country is left out, the virus would continue to spread. In his statement, he said, and I quote, Inclusion is key because without inclusion, the suffering of those who are already left behind will continue and we cannot guarantee peace in that kind of a context. Unquote. 
In other news, Donald Trump, President of the United States, has directed the Office of Management and Budget to crack down on federal agencies' anti-racism training sessions, calling them divisive, anti-American propaganda. The OMB director, Russell Watt, in a letter to the executive branch agencies, directed them to identify spending related to any training on critical race theory, white privilege or any other material that teaches or suggests that the United States or any other race or ethnicity is inherently racist or evil. The memo comes as the nation has faced a reckoning this summer over racial injustice in policing and other spheres of American life. Trump, meanwhile, has spent much of the summer defending the display of the Confederate battle flag and monuments of Civil War rebels from protesters seeking their removal in what he has called a culture war ahead of the November elections. Meanwhile, he has rejected comments from Democratic nominee Joe Biden and others that there is systematic racism in policing and American culture that must be addressed. Watt's memo cites press reports as contributing to Trump's decision, apparently referring to segments on Fox News and other outlets that have stoked right-wing outrage about the federal training. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.